Welcome to episode four of the TMJ and Sleep Center podcast with Dr. Insulara. I'm Randy Hawk, and let's review where we are. We've discovered that we have indications and symptoms that we may have TMJ. We've called and set up a uh, cure consultation, and then we've moved to the measurement and evaluation process, and now we're ready to do phase one of our treatment plan. Well, yeah, uh, phase one. Well, you'd be coming back for an appointment, and um, what what would we what we would be doing is to set is to set you up for the uh, the main uh, measuring appointment, and it's like climbing the stairway. Step one, step two. Um, the first step would be we don't want you on your teeth uh, because you've already proven that biting on your teeth puts your jaw in the wrong place, but the, puts the muscles in the wrong place. So what we do is we fabricate a splint. And I usually I'll tell you I don't like splints except mine. And it's a soft splint, and you put it over the teeth, and you wear it 24-7, but you don't eat with it. Uh, and it's a 2 millimeter in, in um, height thickness. And you'll wear that about a week, and then you, you'll come back, and we will do a 3 millimeter splint, and you'll wear that about a week. And while you're wearing that, we will have you in our office for about two hours, maybe more, for... Um, Neuro, neuromuscular testing, and we'll also be doing um, a lot of uh, cross-indexing it with the x-ray machine and showing you and demonstrating the testing and demonstrating how it corresponds with how your bones look, how your posture looks, how you look, um, and what we can do to uh, uh, offset what we're seeing because the bad posture, of course, creates all kinds of uh, symptomology, which is why you're there. But when when we when we come up with our testing, we come up with an orthotic. But let me backtrack a second. The splints do another thing because when you put a splint in your mouth, you're going to clench, and as you clench, you're going to say, "Well, that's I don't want to clench." No, it's okay to clench because you're you're clenching on a two millimeter rise and then a three millimeter rise, so the jaw is actually coming down and forward a little bit. You're not on your teeth, and as you clench and you contract the muscles and then open them, contract and open, I consider my splints a vascular pump. That pump brings blood flow through the muscle, brings oxygen through the muscle, brings another little chemical called adenosine triphosphate, which is the energy bonds to propel muscle through the muscle, but it also gets rid of lactic acid. So this is a good thing. So you can be clenching all you want at this point. You're not hurting yourself. You're making the muscles move better with an increased uh, height, uh, which, which gives them better range of motion. Okay, so that's prior to... And you can actually feel that. Yeah. Oh. When, when I was wearing my first one, I was like, wow, it feels like my jaw went to the gym. A lot, you know, a lot of people say they really feel a lot uh, more secure and, or uh, more strength when they when they close on these splints and they feel better, their their symptomology s- kind of softens up and goes away. Well, not maybe goes away, but softens up and gets better, which is a nice indication because that's just a splint. Well, yeah, that's just a splint. And one of the things, <laughs> the splint also stopped me a little bit from biting the inside of my mouth because, like okay. you said, I wasn't going. All my the way teeth down. weren't right. going all the way down. Right. So, so you're already feeling like, well, this is working. I'm not bunting and uh, but. Now looking back on that, I'm like, oh, now I see that was the setup. But at the time, I was like, wow, this is table. working great. We, we, we don't want to overload the muscle too quickly. Uh, that's what the two and three millimeter does is set the table. Uh, because if you were trying to overload the muscle too quickly, it could go into spasm. Because it, this is muscle that doesn't have a lot of circulation through it. And it's been dysfunctioning forever. And it doesn't have a lot of tolerance. So the splints at this point are building you up. 
so that when you indeed do get the orthotic, um, and the orthotic, is remember, is measured neuromuscularly with what we call electromyography, so it's, or EMGs, which is how you muscle, measure muscle happiness, or you, want it, or you could say unhappiness. Um, so when we do get the bite position we need, those EMGs are very low. And so they're saying, hey, this is great. And so we, we're getting, I'm just going to slow it down. We get an intraoral in the mouth, three-dimensional um, appliance based on EMG readings. And that's what we take the impression with. And then once we get that impression, we will uh, send it to the lab who make the orthotic. And so the orthotic then, the tolerances on this orthotic are in tenths of a millimeter. You can't even see, well, I know I can't see tenths of a millimeter, but the uh, computer can pick it up and it, it's, a, it's a, just a three-dimensional balance. So when people get the orthotic and they first put it in, and I always tell them, this is the day you should go celebrate. I don't know if you did that, Randy, but um, when you My get your... appointment was early, so I went to work. <laughs> so when you, when you get the orthotic and uh, it's the first day of your life that you've been functional and so I, I say for the I most, do remember you say that for before the I left. This will be the first day that your jaw has been functioning properly. Well, and I just include the whole individual. Right. But, but anyway, um, uh, at that point in time, that orthotic now is your bodyguard. That orthotic makes sure that your muscles are always in the proper range of motion and you're recruiting properly. And as you're doing that, the orthotic is also, remember, this orthotic is in your mouth 5,000 times a day as you are awake. And so you're functioning 5,000 times a day into your neck, shoulders, back, and ribs. Uh, that is the, the biggest disconnect between, uh, I guess, medical providers because they don't realize how powerful an instrument a functional jaw can be to posture, bite, respiration. Uh, we can just keep going because it, it all it all is the same thing. Is this, a, is this an oversimplification? Because sometimes when I'm trying to explain it to people, because people are like, what's in your mouth or whatever? And uh, uh, it's almost like your jaw is in constant mini physical therapy. It is. That's, 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 a, that's exactly what it is. And and so my, my thought to anybody is, who can give you 5,000 times a day worth of function? Is there any provider you know of outside of your jaw that can do this? I've spoken to neurologists and they 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 say I they can't do what I do. Um, basically, because we're dealing with functional muscle, creating functional muscle, and the jaw needs to be functioning three to five thousand. Well, I'm, three is kind of low, but three to five thousand times a day in order for you to live. You live your life through your face, and the body follows the head. So if your head is forward, there are consequences, and the consequences are. Postural consequences, respiratory consequences, digestive consequences, uh, we balance con consequences, pain, uh, eyes, ears inside your mouth, dental yeah. pressure behind the eyes and ears and 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 sides of the head, even the back of the neck, because as your head comes forward, all that weight is it's now it's a weight bearing entity. Your neck with your head over your spine should have a curve in it. They call it a lordotic curve. When people have TMJ forever, or not even have to be forever, I had a five-year-old with a very straight forward head neck, five years old, and a very extreme neck, um, and that creates weight-bearing. Whenever the neck is straight and there's no curve, like a spring, um, now it's weight-bearing. So the weight 
is on the neck, on the shoulders, the lower back, and it creates all kinds of interesting issues, sciatica issues. Um, you know, none of it's good. So when we start working with breathing properly, diaphragmatically, that means belly breathing, through your nose, not your mouth, and not using accessory muscles in your chest and in your neck uh, because, because of your forward head, the diaphragmatic breathing isn't happening, and so the body's kicking in the muscles up here in the upper chest, which further makes the posture worse with forward head and actually creates more tension on the lower back because the head comes forward, there's more weight and pressure on that lower back. So, I've been practicing the nose breathing. I'm trying to get better and better at it. When you just set, said it for the rest of your answer, I was over here nose breathing. You really need to practice that, and people need to practice that with their lips closed. Yeah, so it's a, okay. So um, I do this with kids too, because while well, my son was a, was a mouth breather, and even though he had his adenoids finally removed after I was explaining why they should be removed, um, he still didn't breathe through his nose because he didn't know how. So I had to show him how to do that. And basically, an easy way is to put either a poker chip or a credit card that's been cleaned off, of course, between someone's lips. And so they purse their lips and hold it in place for at least 20 minutes, minimum time. And while you're doing that, breathe through your nose. Practice. You're, what you're doing is you're creating a lip seal and making these muscles of the lips stronger so you're less likely to open your mouth. And, you're, and the brain is getting it that your lips can be closed and yet you can still breathe through your nose. How I got doing it longer was a recommendation from Jamie, but when I was doing my uh, mile, I did a mile and a half, I do a mile and a half walk every oh, night. Oh, that's right. And so she said, try to start out breathing through your nose and each night make it further along your walk until She's you could get the right. whole walk done. So I would kind of remember, okay, I was by the mailbox with 543 on it when I had to start Great. Breathing through my mouth. And then I just went, tried to make it past that one. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen my friend Jamie in a little bit. Uh, I did text her and she's supposed to get back to me. Uh, That's a very, I totally agree with that. Um, Because I'm into, your body can improve itself, but it doesn't have to be all, it can't be all at once. Nobody's body works that way. Yeah, it's not a light switch. No, it's, no. it's, it's, it's It's the consistency of continuing what you're doing to get to a certain goal. When I, a long time ago, I'll just segue, I decided I want to run a marathon. Okay, well, you're not going to run 26 miles just because you decided. So I researched it a bit. And, you know, I was always working out or keeping trying to keep fit. But it's a series. I mean, I remember race walking first, a couple of miles, three miles, whatever. And then I started incorporating jogging for a certain amount, race walk, jogging, race, and then eventually it was all jogging. And then from three miles, five miles, I remember the, when, I, when I did a 10K, six miles, I'm like 6.2, and I couldn't believe how happy I was or believe that I could even do it. And you just keep going. Right, and you have to start. I, uh, I was interviewing, uh, this is years ago, 1998, I believe. I was interviewing a little girl who had leukemia, and she was oh. looking to raise money by getting somebody to run a marathon. They, they had a marathon in San Diego that was designed to be a fundraiser. Sure. So I was interviewing on the radio, and I went, well, she's like, I just need somebody to run it for me. And I was like, well, I'll do that. So Did I got, you? I, I got off the radio, and everybody's like, do you know you just volunteered to run a marathon? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so and I was in a panic. I was living in Green Bay at the time. It was 
January and the marathon was in uh, like July or August in San Diego. Oh, yeah, yeah, time. So I, yeah, I I went and got a trainer and did the whole program. So you and did stuff a marathon, like that. yeah. And but for, I, I was training for the you. marathon in minus ten degrees in Green Bay, and it was unfortunately warm in San Diego, ninety two the day that I ran the marathon. Well, they but, did it real early though. But I do like that. My my point on saying I did it as well is I now tying what you just said into understanding. How you, you had to lay out the grid to train like you did and I did for the marathon. If you really look at this is this is the first part. This phase one is the first part of wanting to run a marathon. So exactly. I love that analogy. Absolutely, absolutely great. That's awesome. I mean, you can't get any better than that. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a journey, and it's a journey with you know you you just have to work your way through it and and be consistent. You have Anyone to run one mile before you can run twenty six point two. Oh my god, absolutely. And, but I got so addicted, then I ran seven more. So That didn't uh, happen to me. <laughs> well, it, it was just something, you know, I I enjoyed. And I did come from New York, and um, so my first marathon was New York. Oh, wow. So, so that's the, with 30,000 people. So uh, it's an interesting uh, running with 30,000 people. Right. Um, so I did five New Yorks at, at, at one point uh, when I finished. I haven't done a Very marathon cool. in years. But um, I still work out every day just not to run a marathon. But if you think about a marathon, see, I really broke it down. A marathon is 43,000 strides on asphalt. Oh, wow. Okay. Guess what gives? Not asphalt. Right. So you better be sure that your knees, your hips, you know, everything is, you know, I used to do a lot of weight work for the legs, presses, you know, squats, things like that, as well as develop shoulders and, and abs because they take a beating. Right. They, they take a beating. Right. And uh, just everybody listening, we will make sure we have uh, examples of, of the splint and the orthotic and things like that uh, on the pa- podcast page so you can see what we're discussing. Yeah. And orthotic isn't isn't visible in your mouth. A lot of people are worried about that. Or it might be a little bit visible, uh, but it's clear and it's over the lower teeth uh, and it makes sure their jaw's in the right place. And, and, you, and you just have to adapt to it. Um, oh, mine sits right behind it. Nobody even. Yeah, I, I don't ever have anybody ask me. Um, what I also like about it is it stays in there firm. So even if you want to be one of these people, sure. I remember when I had a retainer when I was a kid, I always would flip it out with my tongue and spend most of my time playing around with it and ruining it. This well, this doesn't go anywhere when you get it locked you can, in there. You can do that, and and I, I sometimes talk about kids because when we do orthodontic orthopedic work on the children, which is the same thing as TMJ. As in adults, because we're bringing the jaw to the optimum position so they grow properly, breathe properly, things like that. Um, um, the, the parents will sometimes say, uh, Dr. Paul, can you make, make this tighter on my son or daughter? I said, why? Because they play with it. And I said, let me, let me ask you a question. When they're eating, does it stay in? Are they, did they okay eating with it? Then they, they say, yeah. I said, let them be. I don't care if they play with it. As long as they're, they're, it's in place when they eat. Right. Yeah, that's the key. That's when they're going to get the most reps that, on their jaw. That is the key. Yeah. So you, we, we've now got the splint, wore both versions of it. And now you have an orthotic. And, we're, and now we have an orthotic. And now I told you to go celebrate. Right. So, <laughs> so and so now you are on a four month, I don't want to say treadmill. Well, I could say treadmill. Or, or, you're, you're in four months. What's, the, what's going to happen in four months? We're going to check you at least every four weeks. We're going to check your bite because your bite's going to change. We're going to adjust mm-hmm. for that. We're going to check your posture because you should be doing your postural therapy because that's going to change. And every time you come in, you'll fill out a form. Uh, it's a quick form. You just check the boxes as to what you're doing, what you're doing for posture, what you're, what you're doing 
what you're doing. Right. Any concerns? And we need to see that, and we'll be measuring your range of motion with your mouth, and we'll also be looking at your posture. And about two to three months in, we'll be taking another X-ray of your neck and comparing that with the first X-ray. There should be a considerable difference. If there isn't, then posturally, we might have had a hint of it beforehand, because if what you're doing is not working, we need to, we need to keep a, abreast of everything, because it should work. Um, the, the groundwork is laid by the orthotic, which makes everything possible. So you're not getting the bad feed from the mouth 5,000 times a day into the posture. And um, so anything you're doing for posture to create strength between your shoulder blades, strength in your upper chest, to bring your head over your spine, mouth breathing, not mouth breathing, nose breathing, so you're not mouth breathing. These are the things that, that work. Um, there's lots of different avenues to follow. Uh, certain you know people do different things, but the point is, in four months we should see a considerable difference in posture and bite, and your reward is a second orthotic. Uh, right. That that is the reward because the bite is so significantly changed from when you first came here, and you're not the same person you were. We just had a person in yesterday. Um, he just retired, and but but I've been working with him. And when he first came to us, he opened 30 millimeters. 30 millimeters is not normal. Not far, no. 45, 55. And so now it's uh, four months later. He's going to a second orthotic because he opens 57 millimeters. Wow. And his posture's changed. We still need a little more. I think he's got like a two-centimeter lead on me. <laughs> Better do an extra yoga class. Well, I got to tell you, we, we get some people... Uh, they open over 60. And I explained, you don't need to open that wide, but I appreciate you doing it for me. So we'll record it. But and it's not only the measurement for me, it's it's the lack of pain or, or snapping sure. that that I noticed before I could yep. open for And you open actually a little bit more quicker because you're not thinking you're going to get jabbed with some pain. Oh, I didn't, I didn't think about that. Yeah, so yeah people, that makes sense. People sometimes hesitate and their eyes kind of close a little bit and they go about midway and the jaw might shift a little bit, right. and then they'll go again. I mean, this, these are people that are encumbered by adhesions, by the jaw being in the wrong place. Once we get that position established and you work in that position, that, that won't be there anymore. They'll open straight and, and you know, assured that they're not going to have that problem. Yeah, because my left side was way cloudy on the X-ray. Well, the cloudy part is what we call remodeling because it's been there for so long, the bone changes, because... Um, because of the, the stimulus that it's given. And it's an improper one, unfortunately, a dysfunctional one. So as we get the orthotic working, it's magic. That stimulus changes and the, the muscles clean up their adhesions so they can open smoothly and they can open efficiently and they can open in a greater range of motion, which is what we want. But that's what any physical therapist worth their salt would want to do with your posture. Make sure that these muscles, which were tight and sore and, and, and painful... Uh, you're creating an environment where they're not going to be that way anymore. And would you say this is kind of the heart of the treatment? This you, You've worked towards getting the, after the second splint, you get the first orthotic, do that four months or so, get the second orthotic, do that four months or so. Yep. That That is really the heart of where the change starts to, oh, the absolutely. transformation begins. Well, the, big, the biggest change is the first four months, and that's the biggest bite change. And then we're tweaking the bite over the next three or four months. Because we do have a phase two, which we can we'll get into at some point. Right. Um, but but by that second orthotic, we're already we've talked about phase two prior to it, but we'll be talking about it even we start 
really mapping out what we might want to do phase two wise. Um, so the person is comfortable with what we're going to do next. And um, they've had time to think about it. So that if there's anything that they need to make a decision about, they'll have time to think about it. We don't rush anybody into that. Um, right. So. And looking ahead, we've we've mentioned a few times in this podcast about the uh, physical therapy part of it. Yeah. Uh, it's a really cool component, and it's nothing to be afraid of. No, uh, the physical therapy is great. And um, what we were just mentioning, Jamie, she's a uh, she. She's really good. And. Um, um, you just you you've got to be able to understand muscle. I mean, a lot of physical therapists do. Don't get me wrong, but um, but I like to intercede with them and talk to them so that the the patient is comfortable. The, the physical therapist is comfortable with what I want. A lot of times, we'll send the patient with X-rays to the physical therapist so they see exactly what I see. That's and, what you uh, did with me. I had pictures yeah. of them on my phone. Yep. I took pictures from your screen and took. Oh them over. yeah. Oh, I also also would could give it to you in an envelope. That I would have given to uh, in, in you know case, I'd have Jamie. lost that. <laughs> That's possible. That's true. You actually, the phone might be a really good idea. So they'll take the picture on the screen right. and then give and, and let her see that. Um, but that really explains, I think. You know, we're working from neck up, but the neck up controls the neck down as well, right. because the body does follow the head. So, and we're going to get into a full podcast about the physical therapy component in yeah. future podcasts. So that's a teaser. Yeah. And we'll also get into phase two yeah. in a future podcast. Yeah. So now we on your journey to uh, better functionality and uh, better function of your jaw is uh, we've gone through the uh, splint and the orthotic. Yeah, the thing I like to leave the patient with is, you know, um, you know, just even the new patient exam, you have to assess if, if what we're going, because what we're going to do is going to work. It will work if you are totally into it because you got to be into curing yourself. What is it worth not to have pain? What is it worth not to have your symptoms anymore? Not to be able to, not having to take pills anymore or being incapacitated or limiting your lifestyle. What's it worth? I, I can't assess that. So, uh, so I would never make a decision for a patient to tell them what to do. I just ask them to make the decision and decide what is it worth? If it's worth it, we're here for you. Having the orthotic, eating with the orthotic in my mouth is much more enjoyable to me than not being able to eat certain things because I've bit the side of my mouth so badly so many times that it that it hurts, to, it burns when I eat certain foods. So, so I found it more enjoyable. Uh, yeah, and a lot of people can't eat harder foods because their joints hurt um, because it's painful back there. The, the joints are remodeling. They're bruised. They... Um, and the, the jawbones are not in the right place. But with an orthotic in your mouth, that all goes away because the orthotic's your bodyguard. It's putting it in the right place. You can't hurt your jaw. You can't hurt your muscles. The more you use them, the better you get. So that's the good news. Perfect. And we'll put photos and miniature videos for deeper dives into everything we've discussed on this podcast. And also in the future, we'll go do some phase two, some phase two uh, items uh, as well as the physical therapy and more. Thanks for listening to the TMJ and Sleep Center podcast with Dr. Insulara. Thank you.